And thank you, worship team, for leading us so well. Well, we continue our series uh, this week, uh, Transformed. We're doing this fall a real look at how does God continue to shape and mold and change us to become more and more like Jesus over time. Today we're going to do something a little bit unusual, as you probably picked up from the tone of the service. We're looking at the connection between God's creation, this earth, this universe, and discipleship, the process of looking more and more like Jesus. You may think, wait a second, what's the connection there? Well, it's so good you're listening, because you're going to find out today. You know, regularly throughout the Bible, God calls us to stop and consider creation, this amazing planet that we get to call home. Beyond that, the Bible urges us to stop once in a while, look up, look up and consider the moon, the sun, the planets, the solar systems, the stars that make up the greater cosmos. Thanks to Corey for that incredible call to worship. If you missed it, go back and listen online. It's great. You know, the book of Proverbs in the first half of the Bible, chocker block full of practical wisdom in life. Of course we should expect this, expect it to direct us to the natural created world. Sure enough, Proverbs chapter 6, it addresses the specific person who is lazy. And it looks at the ant. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food in harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. You know, you live long enough in life, and, and you do encounter lazy people. If you've ever stopped and watched ants at work, those things are not lazy at all. They carry stuff around twice their size, and they haul it back to their nest for food. The ants are teaching us a major lesson. For that person who can't seem to get life together, is just too lazy to even roll off the couch. The ants are showing you up, dude. Watch and learn from these pint-sized insects. In 2009, I had the opportunity to lead a missions trip to Kenya, East Africa. And at one point, the organizers of the trip took us out to visit this church in the middle of the bush. And it was in the middle of the wilderness. It took us three and a half hours. We're in these vans going through dried up creek beds, around these big trees. And we kept passing these anthills. These things are massive, uh, 12, 15 feet high. And I remember thinking, what kind of ants made those things? I don't want to mess with them. <laughs> I pick you up and take you down into their anthill. Whatever they were, they definitely weren't lazy. Now, you might say, okay, Pastor, that's an interesting passage. I see how it's relevant to life in general. But are there specific passages that talk about my journey of transformation, my journey of discipleship? that push me to look a little bit more like Jesus. Yes, there are. And we're going to dive in and explore two of those passages today. The first one causes us to stop and consider the miracle 
of our own bodies. It comes from Psalm 139. This is what it says. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You know, a huge percentage of the population in the Western world deals with anxiety, depression, and insecurity. The causes for it are many. For some people, it's physical cause. For some people, it's past trauma they've experienced. For some, it's growing up in a really dysfunctional family where maybe drugs or alcohol were abused. But for all of us, even if we're fortunate not to have those causes of anxiety and insecurity, the technology that is all around us pushes us in that direction. Think about an average high school student today. They're going along just fine until all of their friends turn on them online. Shame them on Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. Anxiety and depression causing? You bet. Maybe there's a woman in her 30s happily going to work each day until she has an incident of sexual harassment at work with a male colleague. She tries to report it, is overheard, and the next thing she's getting mean texts, posts on Facebook. In order to combat such things, Psalm 139 grounds us so well in how God designed us, built us, and values us. Listen again to verses 13 and 14. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. A man named Craig C. Broyles, he's a Bible scholar, actually teaches over Lower Mainland at Trinity Western University. Craig has a PhD from the University of Sheffield in England, and he's a specifically focused on the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament. This guy is a Hebrew master, the original language the first half of the Bible was written in. I own his commentary on the book of Psalms, and I came across this footnote this week, and it blew me away. Listen to this. It says, Psalm 139, 14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what God thinks when he looks at you. You are awesomely wonderful. I am awesomely, and wonder, I am awesomely wonderful. And then he says this, made, which the translator simply added, is difficult to justify. We should probably follow the ancient versions and read, you are awesomely wonderful. Now, that's what God actually thinks of you when he looks at you. You are awesomely wonderful. Isn't that amazing? Now, if the God of the universe who created the sun, moons, and stars thinks that our worship leader today, Rod Alsop, is awesomely wonderful, then Rod better darn well start believing it. 
If Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, says that my daughter Callista in grade 10 at Lady Smith Secondary is awesomely wonderful, then she better not listen when a kid says something stupid, puts her down. She needs to listen to Jesus. If the Holy Spirit of God oversaw the design of Tom Maxey from Coastal Missions in his mother's womb as a baby and pronounces him awesomely wonderful, then Tom should continue to live his life with joy and confidence. So what's the connection between considering the origins of life and discipleship? When you have a solid foundation of confidence that you are awesomely wonderful, then you want to live and act in ways that line up with that. It's like building a mansion on a rock-solid foundation. You are confident the house is not in danger of sliding down the cliff into the valley. If, on the other hand, you don't view yourself the way that God views you, then you don't have a lot of enthusiasm for trying to live life as Jesus tells us. You kind of think, what's the point anyway? I'm just a loser. Psalm 139 says, no, no, no. Listen again to the rest of verses 15 to 18. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You know, 13 years ago, my wife Lori and I uh, were awaiting the arrival of our daughter Malia, and we had what all parents do. They go and get an ultrasound, and you look at this little thing, and it really takes an ultrasound tech to interpret it for you. It kind of looks like a bean, sort of. And uh, this particular one was pretty inconclusive, and we just couldn't figure out whether it was a boy or a girl. But we had been given so many girl things, so many girl clothes, pink things everywhere. And we thought, you know, we kind of want to know, is it a boy or is it a girl? Like, because we're kind of messed. If it's a boy, we need different stuff. So there was a place that had opened in Victoria at that time called 3D Baby Vision. And so we made an appointment. It was really popular, so it took a while to get in. And then we finally got to go. And I will never forget this. They had the flat screen TV up there. And then Lori laid down and the text. And it's really cool. Instead of a normal ultrasound, it uses multiple signals. And it gets the information. And the computer takes all that and makes this live image on the screen. And I remember little Callista was two... And it was her and I sitting on the bench looking at this TV, watching Malia. And I remember her little hand came up and touched her face, and she wiggled around. And I think at one point she kind of went, oh, brother, dad, like, <laughs> like she does now. I don't know. That might have been my imagination. But what an incredible experience. Like The computer even gives it flesh tone. Yeah, you can see there's a 3D baby vision image. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am awesomely wonderful. And you know, that remains true for, for most of us. But occasionally babies are born 
with heart problems or lung problems or, or genetic disorders. And if you are the parent of a child in that condition, your thought may be, so what's the deal here, God? Psalm 139 says you knit the baby together in the womb. Did you kind of mess up with the knitting needles or what's the story? And those are deep and painful waters. And I don't pretend to know why or how such things happen. My heart goes out to all those parents in those situations. In our pastoral prayer today, we're going to be praying after the sermon for Tina Bowden's nephew, Jory and Rose. And they just had a little baby, Daniel Jonathan, DJ for short. And he suffered breathing problems at his birth. And once that was corrected, he began having seizures. I don't know why that occurred. But I do know God calls us as a church to pray. And we need to pay, pray bold prayers of faith for complete healing until we are told otherwise. I, people wonder, why do those kind of things happen in the world? And I don't really have the answers except to say that we do live in a sinful and broken world. And we aren't necessarily protected from all those effects all the time. I have learned from meeting and, and talking with parents who have raised special needs children that they say, you know, we move through stages and it was so difficult, so hard initially. But now that my child is older, I have learned so much from them. There's a beauty and simplicity to a special needs child. Well, from the first stages of human life, we want to zoom out a little bit and consider what Jesus taught us about the birds and the flowers in the natural world. It says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See about the flowers of the field, how they grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was clothed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says an interesting command in verse 26. 26. Most of us don't think of it as a command. He says, look at the birds of the air. And I want us to actually stop and do that this morning. We're going to obey Jesus. We're going to stop and look at the birds of the air. I need to show you a picture. This is uh, Bob Bohe. Bob is a relative of mine. Uh, Lori's cousin Cheryl's married to Bob. Bob is a great dude and is a passionate and skilled wildlife photographer. In fact, this weekend, he's off to 
photographed grizzly bears in the Chilco Plateau. So this week I texted Bob and asked for permission to show you some of his bird photographs, and he generously said yes. So we're going to go through these pretty quick, but I want you to observe the awesome artistry of God who creates such creatures of the air in all of their beauty. God probably could have just made 10 birds, but he decided to make hundreds and hundreds of variations. We're going to start off with this beautiful hummingbird. Look at that pink around its neck. Incredible. The greens. Hummingbirds are just amazing. And then the black-winged stilt. I love his little red eye there. He's, uh, he's got a purpose. He's going for lunch there. And then the yellow-breasted chat. What a startling yellow. Amazing little bird. And then the lesser and greater yellow leg. I like that picture. He's like, touchdown! <laughs> and then we're going to go into uh, the pharaginous hawk. These things are incredible. What powerful birds. These are obviously on a fence. And then we're going to show you one in full flight. Look at those talons. Look at the power in that bird. And then a little bird, the merlin. Cute little guy. I love this next picture of the merlin. He's kind of like, so, how you doing? And then there's a species of bird called cattle egrets, and these are all over the world. And what they do is they find horses or cattle, and they sit on top of the cattle or the horses, and they wait for them to stir up the ground, pull back the grass. They see bugs, they see frogs, little things they can eat, and they hop off the back and go down and eat them. So cattle egrets, the first photo uh, oh, can we back up one there, Connie? That one's actually in Alberta, and uh, it is hanging out with, uh, with a steer. And then uh, Bob went to India, and he found cattle egrets there. That's in the rice fields of India. And then he was in France, and uh, the famous Carmagoe horses in Carmagoe, France. And there's a, egrets right on top of the horses. And then he went to Africa, filmed them in Botswana. There's an aerial shot, and there's an up-close one on a Cape Buffalo. What a cool thing. I guess the cattle don't mind. They're like, I don't know, take a ride. It's all good. And then as these cattle egrets uh, get ready for their breeding season, they actually begin to pick up a pink color. Isn't that amazing? That's in Panama. And then a couple shots from them in Spain. Those three look like they're having a discussion. Here's a guy having lunch. He's got a frog. And then back to a little bird, the red-breasted grosbeak. What a cute little bird. And then the great blue heron. Just majestic how it's spring. And our last picture, a burrowing owl. Don't you love his intensity of his gaze? Looks like he looks into your soul. Well, we've just done the first part of what Jesus commanded. Look at the birds of the air. And once we've done that, we're finally ready to learn this lesson. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, 
Jesus really puts it in perspective for us, doesn't he? All those birds, millions of them around the world, and every day each one of them is fed. Each one is given incredible beauty. Yet here are you and I, stressed out to the max, freaking out about every issue in our lives. Worry is an awful thing, and some folks have it much worse than others, so I'm not trying to minimize the seriousness of the struggle. Full compassion if if worry is your major area of struggle, but here's the challenge. Do what Jesus says. Look at the birds of the air. Consider the flowers of the field. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. But here's the genius of Jesus. He doesn't just give us a negative command, stop stressing, stop worrying. He actually gives us a positive alternative. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. This is an absolutely crucial part of our transformation journey, of beginning to look more like Jesus in our lives each and every day. It's really hard to focus on the kingdom of God, focus on seeing the name of Jesus lifted up in our community across the world if we are totally consumed by worry and anxiety. Jesus says we are to trust in him, that he will give us the basic necessities of life. When we change our thinking, change our focus to be on what is most important, then all those things are added on top. I don't know about you, but that verse is so comforting, so reassuring, so centering for me. It's almost like Jesus says to us, we need to take a deep breath, and we need to say, right, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. That's true Christian spirituality. We live on Vancouver Island. It's a secular place, and the average person on Vancouver Island has a lot of respect when they look around at different spiritualities, different world religions or beliefs or faiths. They look at Buddhist people who have meditation and and really trying to cease desiring things. And they respect that. Islam has five prescribed prayer times, fasting during Ramadan and a pilgrimage to Mecca and Medina, and they respect that. Hinduism has offerings and incense and prayers. And people practicing those are sincere in their beliefs and efforts. But when I compare those acts with what Jesus commanded us to do, to stop and go, right, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. I will choose Jesus' path every single time. That ultimately is true Christian spirituality with a capital S. And that's really Holy Spirit-inspired stuff. We aren't strong enough to just stop worrying. It's when the Holy Spirit comes in and gives us the power to do that. But when we ask for His help, we make the choice to say no to worry and anxiety and yes to the kingdom of God and the righteousness of Jesus. It really does shape and mold and change us. Our family is impacted, our co-workers notice, our neighbors 
take note. Well, who knew that a huge part, a huge slice of this transformation journey, this discipleship pie, was considering the very origins of life in Psalm 139. Just how much the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, how much He loves us, even declaring us awesomely wonderful. Who knew that a significant slice of of this discipleship process was to stop, look at the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, and get our thinking straight and our hearts at peace. I want to encourage you, church, wherever you are, if you're watching online or in another place, go outside this week. Stop, take a walk, look at the birds. Take a hike, look at the flowers. Get out your baby picture and thank God that he made you. Because ultimately, Jesus isn't looking for frantic, distracted followers, but kids, teenagers, women, men who are peaceful, that truly do seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen? Amen. Tim.